0: How many of you are grateful for the sunshine we've had the last couple of days? Yeah. I'm grateful, too. And the evenings that are light until almost 8 o'clock, it's like, oh, man, spring's coming. It's coming. Praise God for that. Uh, how many of you are grateful for your that Jesus saved your soul today? Anybody grateful for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is a privilege to come together. And uh, and you know to worship with like-minded people who follow Jesus Christ. It's you know it's a privilege that we can gather, and and worship Him, and and He's given us His Word to read that encourages us, and and that He wants to talk to us, and He wants us to talk to Him, and He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And I mean, where can you go and get that? Uh, you can't get that in any other place than with Jesus Christ. And today we we press into a, a, a component of relationships that God has given us, a real vital piece of this relationship with Jesus. And it's how we communicate with him. And he's given us a chance that, I mean, just merely pause and think about that. The God of the universe who created everything, who's spoken into being, who snapped his fingers and made water and, and birds of the air and, and who took dust from the ground and, and made man and breathed life into it. That same God allows us to talk to him. And for some reason he wants us to communicate with him and we can go to him and, and just communicate. Like anytime. Like it's not like you have to wait till you wake up in the morning. You can you can wake up in the middle of the night and talk to him because he neither slumbers nor sleeps. And and so sometimes I think we undervalue what prayer is. It's, it's how we talk to our father. It's as me as a father. I love when my kids come to me and they want to talk to me. And I, I love when my, my children come to me and say, dad, I need help with this. Can you help me? There, there's something about a man innate in him that likes to provide and protect and care for. And so when my children come and, you know, I'll drive a hundred miles. I'll drive across the United States if my kids are in need. And we have the same kind of God. And, and so I, I want you to really wrap your mind around that. There's nothing that you can ever want or need in this world that isn't a prayer away from asking God for help. So prayer in my mind is more than the least we can do. Prayer is more than the least we can do. Let me try to help you understand that. How many times have you heard someone say, maybe you've said this, like someone's going through something and so they, they, you hear about it and you might say, well, the least I can do is pray for you. Like, the least I can do is pray for you. In some form or fashion, how many of you have heard that phrase or maybe uttered that phrase? Like, the least I can do for them is to pray for them. Where did that come from? Like, when did prayer become the least thing you could do? Like, how, how is that the least that you can do? When, when you pray, you invite God into your quest. You invite God into your adventure. You invite God to stand between you and whatever that thing is and for him to fight for you so, or for them. So how is prayer the least when you invited the creator of the universe to look at your situation and to give his input, his power, his protection, his favor, his answer? How is that the least? You see, when we say that phrase that prayer is the least we can do, we're saying that what we do is better than what Jesus can do. But we're prone to default because of our worldviews, and especially men. We're prone to fix it first on our own and then say, if I can't get it, I'll invite God into it. We need to, to retreat from that thinking and, and, and whenever something's on our plate, anything and everything, go to God first, and when he steps into it, he empowers us in a way that we could never do on our own. Prayer is more than the least we can do. Sometimes you just be reminded what prayer can do. Just take a snapshot of some of the things that prayer can do. <laughs> In your hands when we pray to god it 's not like our hands are magical, but in some form or fashion, we invite God in. Have you ever been in a situation where you were the expert? Maybe you were invited to this, and something goes down or something goes wrong, and maybe you 've studied that 's your field of study and you 're standing in this circle of people, and something goes wrong in that in that circle. Maybe a machine breaks down. Or maybe there's a question that needs to be answered. And you're familiar with that author. Or you're familiar because that's been the journey that you've studied. Or, or you're an accountant. You're good with numbers. And you're in this circle. And you're standing in the midst of this circle. And they're trying to figure it out. Like, and you're standing there thinking, I know the answer to that. Like, why don't you just ask me? And you watch people try to work that out. And, 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 and so you're standing there. And, and part of you wants to say, hey. Why don't you invite me in? Why don't you let me do that? I could really help you out. I'm the expert at doing this. Sometimes I wonder if, as God looks at our lives, as we're trying to down there figure out this complex situation, sometimes these simple situations, he's up there saying, hey, you know, I'm pretty good at that. Like, I've been doing that since infinity and beyond. Like, I have a chance that, like, all you have to do is invite me in. I'm aware of things that you aren't aware of. I can give you input that you can't give input to. From time to time, it's fun for me. My family goes out to eat after the third service on Sunday. And so we visit a variety of restaurants. And and I don't introduce myself as Pastor Jim for a variety of reasons. And and so, just, I don't. I think Wayne knows why. But in any case, I like to sit in the waiting areas and sit down and just engage people. And I'll sit down beside people. And, you know, you, we know what church people look like. You know, we have that look sometimes. And, and so I'm sitting down, and I'll ask someone, hey, did you, did you worship somewhere? Did you go to church today somewhere? Yeah, we went to, you know, we went there. And I'll ask them, what was it like? What did you learn? What Was it good? And, and so they'll ask me, like, where do you go to church? And I'll say, I go to that church just south of Goshen Middle School. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's the Green Church there, and it's the Grace Community Church. And so they'll ask me, like, they'll ask me, what was it like? And so I'll go on to tell them what it was like. And then I'll ask him, what have you heard about our church? It's always interesting to ask that question. And part of me wants to say, I, I could tell you a whole bunch about this church. In any case, I'm sitting there in conversations with people, and then I've often wondered if they see me again, like if they ever come and visit. (laughs) Like, why didn't I really ask you what you know about that? Sometimes I think God kind of looks at those scenarios, and we have these, he's so familiar with it, he understands it, and he's saying, why don't you ask me? Like, why don't you let me intervene? Like, I'm pretty good at holding the world together. I bet I could put your life back together, too. I want to show you a story today of a group of people who found themselves in a pretty desperate situation who knew that prayer was more than the least they could do. Turn to the book of Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, and if you need a Bible, uh, hold your hand up or ushers will put one in your hand. But turn to Acts chapter 12, and I want to show you a story of a group of people who understood that prayer is more than the least they could do. Turn to Acts chapter 12, and we're going to read verses 1 through 4. Stand with me when you find that, and we'll read it out loud together. And by the way, I read from the NIV. It's the new 2011 version, it's not the NIV 84. And so, if you have a version that, that the words are different, you wonder where I'm reading from. It is the Bible. And it is uh, the 2011 version. And the thing about this version is, is it's, a, it's an updated version. It's a good version. So if you're reading NIV and you're thinking, what's Jim reading from? I'm reading from the NIV, the 2011 version. Um, it's not the Apocrypha or the Pseudepigrapha. And some of you don't understand what I said. It is the Word of God. So um, that's why maybe some of your words are different. But let's read Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Ready, read. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw this met with approval amongst the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in the prison, handing him over to be guarded by the four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. You may have a seat. Prayer unlocks the power, but as you're taking a seat, I want you to focus in on a couple words that are repeated. Look at chapter 12 again, and look at the verse 1. It says, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the what? Church. And what's the next word after church? Intending to persecute them. The word... The intention of persecuting. Now look at verse 4. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handed him over to be guarded by four squads. That's Peter, of four soldiers each. Herod, what's the next word? Intended to bring him out to public trial after the Passover. Herod had intentions for Peter. And because we know that James was beheaded, and Herod was an egotistical, narcissistic leader... And he, he loved the applause of man. And when he saw that John was beheaded and that the Jews loved that, he knew, well, I'm going to put Peter in prison too. And my intention is there will come a day after this festival that I'm going to pull him out of prison and I'm going to lop his head off too. His intentions were to kill him. Now, I believe that Peter was fully aware of this. And I also believe that the church that began to pray for him was aware of that. So you have a scenario where Peter's about to die. How do we know that? Because John was beheaded. And you can see that. I mean, look here in chapter 12 again. Look what it says. It says he had James, the the brother John, that was beheaded. He saw that taking place. So James was just beheaded. And now we see that Peter is about to be beheaded too. So he's going to prison fully aware that these might be his last days. Because he could die like James died. So that's where we're at in this story. Yet somehow prayer will do more for Peter than he realizes. Somewhere in this journey, you and I have downgraded. Or we have allowed ourselves to downgrade the prayer button. And yet one sentence uttered to God brings the creator of the universe, the sovereign, omniscient, omnipotent God into our lives, and he can snap his fingers and change everything. Everything. I can't tell you all the time that you and I have wasted as Christians trying to fix things first instead of letting God fix them first. Think about all the scenarios. Let me just give you, for instance, years ago when the, the, the... hurricane came down on the Gulf Coast and, and, and rattled the Gulf Coast during, they called it Hurricane Katrina, we as a church saw the need and assembled, quickly assembled. We had about 34 people that were assembled after a Sunday morning's message, and we sent two teams to go to the Gulf Coast to, to rescue, to help. We took chainsaws. We took medical supplies. We drove down not fully aware of anything we were going to face. And we were even prepared, if need be, to pull out dead bodies. We were one of the first group's response teams in. And I remember driving down on this first group with about 17 other men. We're driving down to the Gulf Coast, to Alabama, and we stayed in the basement of this church. But I remember we had a flat tire on our trailer and some of you remember that one of the trailers had a flat tire which caused us, diverted us from going where we thought God wanted us to go. So we pulled off and the tire was flat. So we got the tire fixed. There was a gas station nearby, went by there, got the tire fixed. And someone said, hey, why don't we just visit this neighborhood here since we stopped here? And so we all piled back in our trucks and we drove back through these neighborhoods and there were trees down everywhere. You could see the the storm had come in and knocked down trees onto homes. And so we thought we were going there, but God brought us back to here because of a flat tire. Someone said, hey, why don't we visit here? And so we're in the midst of working our way through this community, this this neighborhood, cutting down trees, knocking on doors. and And we went to this one door and knocked on the door. I believe it was Jason Goon. He went and he knocked on this door and this lady came out, this elderly lady, sweet elderly lady. She came to the door, and, and the group that was with Jason began to unpack why we were there. They said, hey, we came from Indiana. We felt compelled to come to the Gulf Coast to help in any way. We had a flat tower out here on the road that diverted us from going where we thought we were going to go. We ended up in this neighborhood. Can we help you? And you have to talk to Jason and some of the other men in regard to the story i was there also and and this lady began to weep like and she began to weep and here's what she said she says i have been praying for the last 3 days That God would send someone to help me. She was an elderly lady all by herself, penned in her house, looking at trees laying all over her yard, all over her fence, all over her house. She said, I have been praying to God, asking that he would send someone to help me. She says, I am helpless. I don't have money. I don't have family. And she was in her late 70s. She said, and I'm standing at the door, short and sweet. She says, you are God's angels, the answer from God. Now, connect the dots there for a second. How did all that happen? A group of people on this side of, 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 of the Gulf Coast that found themselves up here in northern Indiana felt compelled by God to go down here. But down there prior to when we ever left was this lady, picture. She's in her front room. She's elderly. She doesn't have any family. She's, she sees all these trees over her entire house. She's concerned. And so she begins to pray to God and say, God, can you send me some help? God speaks to a group of people who get in these trucks, these trailers, these cars with chainsaws, travel down to the Gulf Coast, fully aware that they were there to help, intending to go somewhere else. God allows a flat tire to take place, and we end up in the neighborhood, and I believe her name was Bertha. I'll never forget her when she said, you are my answers that I've been crying out to God for. Did all that take place? Because there was a woman believed in the power of God, and she believed that somehow God could answer her, answer her prayer request. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever think she thought she would get someone from Goshen, Indiana? No. She didn't have to know that. And she didn't try to direct God and say, I, I, want, I want that group from up there, the crazy people. Bring them down here. Bring them down here. No, she just cried out to God, fully aware that her prayers made a difference. She didn't try to fix it herself. And be quite frank, she couldn't fix it herself. Let me give you another example how, how God moves and, and, and God is fully aware of what is happening and why we need to default to prayer First. It Revive Indiana, and praise God for what God is doing and has done, bringing people together, worshiping together, and lifting up the name of Jesus and exalting his name and restarting a fire in many hearts and becoming a catalyst, hopefully, that the local churches go back to the local churches and they stay on fire for Jesus too. And so in our community, we've had Revive Indiana. And so part of that, they will, some of the evenings, they asked some of the local pastors to come and speak. I was invited to come speak one of the evenings. And so I began thinking and praying and asking God what he wanted me to talk about. And so felt compelled by the Spirit to go and to speak to men. And so put a message together for men. And so I went into the setting and asking God to use me as, as you do too, whatever you're doing. And I began to speak. And as I'm unpacking this message, I'm realizing not knowing... Going into the message that it would end up this way, it felt compelled by the Spirit. When I got to the end of this message, that I I felt like God was saying, the Spirit was saying, have a call towards repentance. Like, call people to come. Call men to come, to repent. And then to walk in the path that he wants. So I'm getting near the end of this message. And, and as I'm beginning to speak, I recognize I'm not the leader of that group. And so I'm subservient to, to Kyle Martin. So I even said, you know, I'm, I'm second chair leader here. There's a chair leader above me, and I want to honor his authority here. So I said something like, hey, whatever Kyle wants to do with this, I feel compelled by God, but I feel like God is calling me to ask men to come and repent. Any case, I'm getting near the end of that, and I'm like on the brink. I'm ready to like, like, like we would say, to make the call. For men to come. And so I'm ready to make the call for men to come. And I hadn't said maybe 10 words like get ready to come. When all of a sudden all the alarm systems in the church began to go off. Lights began to flash. It begins to beep. And there's this muffling sound that even our alarm system has here. That said something like this. The alarm says uninvited intruder in the building. Now think about that terminology for a second. In fact, it was pretty funny because Dave had sent me a text. Dave Pena had sent me a text that someone had said this week they were there. They said, here's what's funny about that. And so immediately, here's what I did. Immediately the Spirit said, and instead of saying, hey, Bob, can you go fix that? John, can you go fix that? I just said, you know what? I think the enemy wants to distract what's happening here. Let's just pray. Let's pray. Let's invite God in because seriously... Do you think God can fix an alarm system? So we prayed immediately, Lord, I know this is a distraction. I know that you want men to repent, and I will not allow the enemy to distract and destroy and to steal what you want to do in men's hearts. It got fixed. It doesn't matter how it got fixed, but the point is I prayed about it and invited God into that because that's a default system. It was funny, though, that week when... Um, Dave had sent me a text. He had run into someone at work or something, something along these lines. He said, even Satan himself tried to repent and get into the place, but couldn't. (laughs) You understand what I mean by that. I'm not saying that, that, that we know that Satan can't because we see his destiny in the Bible, that he will end up in the pit of hell. But prayer connects us to God. It should be our default system. So you have this group that sees Peter He's about to be thrown into prison, and so they didn't send, hey, let's have an escape plan. They didn't put a bunch of people together and say, hey, let's rally together. Here's what I'll do. You take out that guard. You take out that guard. You get that guard, that guard. Knock down the wall. Let's build a big fire. Let's get some dynamite, and let's pray that he comes out in one piece. No, the church immediately did what? You're going to see. They prayed. And when you begin to pray, you bring God into that quest or adventure of your life. I wonder how many things that are intended to happen to us or for us by the enemy or my enemies or your enemies will be thwarted if we just pray. How many of you need some intentions of others concerning your future, your marriage, your children, your pending case to be reversed? How many of you could say, Boy, there's some intentions that people have for me that are intended for me that I need to be reversed? Luke is telling us in Acts the way we reverse those or allow them to be reversed if God wants them is to invite him in instead of us trying to fix it first. Herod appears to be large and in charge. If you read this, full intentions. He just lopped off the head of James. Peter's next in line. But the church is going to invite God into this picture. It seems pretty hopeless, Most of us don't get what we want because we quit praying. We give up too easily. We give up too soon. We quit praying right before the miracle happens. We know from Scripture that in the book of Revelation that John, who had this vision of when the Alan of Patmos as he was looking and trying to describe heaven, God spoke to him in a vision. And there's this passage, a couple passages in Revelation, Revelation twelve and six I believe, that says that 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 literally that there are, there's these there's these bowls in heaven. They're the prayers of the saints. And they're, the, they're sweet-smelling incense. And it, there's this picture that when you and I pray, we throw prayers into these bowls. And there's this other picture in Scripture and Revelation that these prayers kind of pile up. That we keep praying about something or praying for something or praying through something. That we continue to pal up. That literally, these prayers are a sweet smell to God. And literally, you and I have these bowls or these vases of prayers that continue to pile up. And then there's this picture where they literally explode. Where God determines that's the prayer It's like we could be one prayer away From tipping the scales Where God intervenes But listen, many of us give up Right before the miracle occurs And you're going to see that this church doesn't They continue to pray Here's what I know about Peter in this scenario He was fully at peace With where God had him in that moment Now picture if you can, you're going to jail, you're chained up, you're chained between people, and you have sentries standing at the door, soldiers at the door, and yet it tells us that that night, Peter was sleeping in the cell. The night before the verdict, or your verdict, or my verdict, often reveals who you truly trust. Look at verse 5 of chapter 12. So Peter was kept in prison but the church was earnestly doing what to god praying to god and who were they praying for peter the church was earnestly praying you know what the phrase earnestly means it takes on the idea of stretching your muscles to their limit it's 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 it's, it's doing a deadlift it's it's taking as much as you can take to lift that weight it's bench pressing as much as you can bench press. It's curling as much as you can curl. It's stretching as far as you can stretch. It's this picture of you can't go any farther. You can't do anymore. It's like you're at the end of your ability to stretch. And so when we earnestly pray, literally, it's this picture of we have went to to infinity and beyond as Hard and as deep and as far as possible. It's like, God, I'm given everything I have to, to pray and intercede. It's this picture of sweating for God. And it says the church was stretching their muscles for Peter. That God would deliver him. And Meanwhile, he's feeling the effects of this because it says that he's... Look at verse 6. It says, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was what? Sleeping between two soldiers. Now, if you knew you were about to be executed the next day, how much sleep would you get that night? You see, here's what I know about this. Because the church called God into their quest, their adventure, and they placed God between what Peter was going through there was this unusual peace that fell into that cell when anxiousness and worry should have overtaken Peter if he was trying to fix it himself. One of the things we've tried the hardest to do at Grace Community Church is to make it a praying church. You see, we know firsthand the power in prayer. Prayer. Way too many of us think our problems are bigger than God instead of believing that God is bigger than our problems. Watch what happens as the church prays. Verse 7. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Now think about that for a second. He was sound asleep. Peace had enveloped him because the church was praying. And the angel comes in and literally taps him, wakes him up, and the the chains fall from his waist. The night before the execution, he should have been pacing his cell, but he was sleeping. In other words, they told him, you have no reason to fear. I believe the majority of us miss out on the miraculous answers from God because we just don't believe it could happen. And we say things like this, I'm not deserving of that. Listen, none of us are deserving of God's grace. But God gives it anyhow. It wouldn't be grace if we were deserving of it. I love this phrase because this is the church was praying. There's an Aramaic terminology or phrase for the word pr- prayer here. It says the church was praying. If you look at in the Aramaic, it has this definition or this understanding that when we pray and you pray, we set a trap for some that. We set a trap on that. We set a trap against someone. So literally, when you and I pray, it has the idea we set a trap. Those that love Peter was setting a trap for Herod. So I just picture as Herod was about to move, there you know there'd be this picture of this this cage coming down and just stopping him, this this barrier not allowing him to do what he needed to do. So when you and I pray, we set traps everywhere against our enemies and against Satan himself. And I often wonder what that looks like to set a trap. It means we now brought God into the picture, and God said, "Uh uh uh uh, no no no, uh uh no 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 no." It's a picture when you pray. You're setting traps everywhere. Like every place the enemy steps. Snap, gotcha. Snap, gotcha. And so there's this picture. They're setting the trap. And in this case, they set the trap on the sentries and the soldiers so that the angels could come in. They didn't even know he was there. And Peter wakes up in the middle of the night, not fully aware of what is happening. But it says he followed them out of the jail. Sometimes I get giggly after I pray. And I think, oh boy, they have no idea what's going to happen to them. They have no idea. And sometimes I, it's like, I'm like this little kid just waiting on Christmas morning to watch how God's going to work this one out. Do you ever walk away from prayer that way? With this anticipation that, hey, I brought God into this. There have been times, you, you can ask and that we sit and we just kind of laugh. It's like, I wonder how God's going to work that one out. I mean, he's done all these. What, what could he do with this? And so we're giggly about it. Because we invited God and this church was praying. It says they were stretching their muscles. Earnestly praying. Setting trap after trap. I'm not sure where it all began. But we must remember that there are not any deadlines to our prayers that have been offered. Like sometimes we think like I prayed on Monday. Nothing happened by Wednesday. I better, I, 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 God's God's done. It's like we like give God the work week. Like he only has from Monday to Friday to answer our prayers. And, and, and somehow like, well, he takes the weekend off. I have to go back after it on Monday. And so when it doesn't happen, there's this mindset of ours like, boy, that prayer must not have worked. And so many of us give up instead of praying through it. But there's no deadline to God's prayers or the effects or the impact of his prayers or your prayers. Like you've been praying about things for a long time. Listen to me. Those prayers don't disappear out in the Milky Way somewhere. They're not like floating around like they don't have a place to go to because the Bible says they fall before the throne of God and they pile up and and he's not wasting your prayers and he will answer your prayers. It might not come in your time, but it'll come in his time. He does not have a deadline to your prayers. You See, we have an all-knowing God who doesn't forget your prayers. Something that you prayed about years ago is still has the possibility of impacting your life. Each prayer is like a seed that gets planted in the ground. It disappears for a season, but it eventually bears fruit that blesses future generations. In fact, our prayers bear fruit forever. And you and I benefit from the prayers of many people. They just do. We, you know... I think about my, my mom's grandmother who was a sweet lady. My mom tells me many stories about her and, and she tells me about my grandma Orphy. I'd never met her. But she tells me the story. She would sit in her rocking chair and she was just about 100% Indian And she would sit in her rocking chair and she would rock. And mom would stay with her in the summer. And she would go to the summertime and she would talk about her grandmother. And she said, man, Grandma Orphy, she prayed. She said, I would remember I'd go in the morning and she'd have her Bible open. And she said she'd be praying. And I would ask her, Grandma, what are you praying for? And she would often say, I'm praying for you, Beverly. I'm praying for you and I'm praying for all the other yous after you. You know, when I hear that, like, I'm so grateful. Because my Grandma Orphy, great-grandma Orphy who prayed before I was even born, is praying for the ewes after Beverly, which means the ewes that Ann and I have the ewes of, and the ewes after them too. And so the prayers of my great-grandmother are still impacting my life. It's not like they're dead, like they stop with Beverly. They just continue on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And there might be a day that they bear fruit in a way that you thought, Could never happen. We stand on the shoulders of all the saints of the past who have prayed for victory, who have prayed for healing, who have prayed for reconciliation, who have prayed for grace community. We sit here today because there was a faithful group in 1954 that said, Lord, I pray that you do a mighty work in Goshen. A hundred people gathered. We get to benefit from their prayers. Who's benefiting from your prayers? You see, there aren't any deadlines. It's not like your prayers lose some kind of steam. Let me give you an example. At the early days of grace, one of my favorite stories, in fact, we heard a similar story yesterday in our elder and pastor retreat, and it reminded me of the story when we began at grace many years ago. Um, And and some of you have heard this, but it's worth repeating for some that haven't. It was the early days of grace and God was moving us. We were in a transition trying to find a way, if possible, and not that it wasn't already happening, but somehow that God would allow us to enhance our worship so that he would get exalted more. It was happening already. I'm not saying that it wasn't. But we felt like God was transitioning us in a new, new way to worship him. And so we felt compelled to make those decisions as a leadership team to move forward. And so we didn't have drums. We didn't have an electric guitar player. We didn't have a bass guitar player. We didn't, we didn't have, we would say, um, those kind of musicians. We had great musicians, had a great piano player and a great organ player. But we felt like God was leading us to add, to enhance to that worship. And one of the ways we felt like God wanted us to do was to get a drummer. But listen, we didn't have, we didn't have a drummer to get some drums. And so felt compelled by God. The best way to believe and step in faith that somehow that we believe this is the direction God wants us to do is, is for us to buy drums, and then God would provide the drummer. Amen. And so kind of laid that vision out on a Sunday, and that week a, a gentleman came walking into my office, and we had an intern on staff with us, time part-time court walker, and, and, and the guy came walking in my office and he said, Hey, Pastor Jim, can I talk to you? I said, Sure, he came walk in my office. And he says, Hey, I heard what you had said about drums. And he said, You know what? I think we ought to do that okay. And he says, by the way, he says, I want to pay for that. So he reaches in his wallet and he hands me these hundred. I don't remember if it was 400 or 600. He just slaps them on my desk. One, two, three, four, five. He says, I think you ought to buy those drums. He says, because I believe in that vision. So you know what I did? I called court. I said, court, get down here quickly come there, here, here's, here's $400, $600. I want you to go buy some drums. And I want you to get these drums and I want you to put them on the stage at Grace Community Church. So he goes out, shops around, and buys these drums. Now, let me tell you a little bit about these drums. These drums weren't white. They weren't black. They didn't have wood grain. They were as blue as the shoes I have on right here today. <laughs> no exaggeration. They were bright blue. And you know what we did with those drums? We put them right on the stage behind me that Sunday. So as people walked in, there was like, okay, and I said, okay, There's an elephant in the house right here. Let's talk about it. So behind me were these drums and I began to unpack this and here's how God works. Like you want to see how God is so perfect in his answers. I said, this week someone heard the message and felt compelled by God that we should have a drummer and we needed drums. And by the way, I said, I'd like to recognize the person who did this. Like And you know, I know what some were thinking. Not everybody. They were thinking it was some 20-year-old kid that had extra money. In the back of our auditorium stood a man who's now with the Lord, 65 years old. Suspenders on, blue jeans, (laughs) named Ben Reschley. I mean, what are you going to say to Ben? So we were praying for a drummer. Now let me tell you what happened. Just a few weeks after that, this family came to our church. This family came, and guess what their son was? He was a drummer. And not only did the drummer come, God provided, there was a bass guitar player that played the bass guitar too. And let me tell you why this is so, inc- I had been praying for a drummer 17 years ago. Like, I thought the prayer was answered. But I just talked recently and checked recently, you know, what? Here, here at Grace Communities, we have, we have other drummers. Like, we have, we have Jim and Jeff and Chris and Miles. and name, There's like 20 drummers that have come since then. That seed that was planted in the ground for a drummer, not only did it answer, then, he is still answering it today. So you never know the impact of your prayers. They just go on and on and on and on and on and on. We benefit from the prayers of others who've went before us. In fact, the Bible says in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, and you, and you will receive it, and it will be yours. James 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. 1 John 3.21 says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we receive from him. Listen to this. Anything we ask, because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. Then John said this in 1 John 5.15. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Paul said in Ephesians that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Prayers and prayer helps me to realize that God wants me to get where God wants me to go more than I want to get where God wants me to go. As we age, I don't know where it begins, and I'm praying, I've been praying, Lord, don't let me get into that, that track. Like, somewhere along this path as we age, somehow we begin to think that God's less interested in using us in a mighty way. Like, let me just let me very personal, like, like how prayers affect the generations. My mom is an intercessor. Like, that's how I remember my mom. Like, she's always praying. And I got to believe that that was passed down from her, from her grandma Orphy. Like even now, my mom, I called her this week and I was in conversation with her and, and she's, she has the early stages of Alzheimer's. So I talked to her. Let me, let me show you my mom's heart. There's a friend of hers that's dying of cancer. And my mom, she says, Jimmy, will you call her? Let me give you the phone number. Why don't you call Winnie? And I want you to pray with Winnie because Winnie needs to know that people are praying for her. I said, okay, mom, give me your number. So she gives me the number. 20 seconds later, my mom says, Jimmy, would you pray for Winnie? Did you get the number? She needs prayer, Jimmy. I say, yes, mom, I'll pray for her. Two minutes later in the conversation, my mom says again, Jimmy, would you pray for Winnie? Did I give you her number yet? In that conversation, my mom said that six times to me. Here's what I know. Before I left the conversation, with my mom. My mom said this, and her mind's not completely there. She said, i want to let you know, Jimmy, I pray for you every day. Why do I tell you that? Because the prayers of a mom who has Alzheimer's, the reason she continues to pray and intercede is because that's been a pattern of her life for a very long time. My prayer is this, that when we begin to lose our mental capacities, I pray for my kids when it happens to me. But in any case... <laughs> That my default system is that I'm praying for them. That, that one day they call me up and, and I'm saying to them, hey, I prayed for you. You see, the prayers continue to pass on and on and on and on and impact us. This church was fully aware of the valuable commodity of prayer. We are left speechless when God answers. I mean, look what happens here next Look at that, and went through it. When they had walked the full length of the street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, "Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent His angels and rescued me from Herod's clutches, and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen." Verse 12, when that had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant by the name of Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. And their response was what? You're out of your mind, girl. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And, he, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion amongst the soldiers as to what had happen, become of Peter. After Herod had thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards in order that they be executed." You see, I believe this. No matter what your age is, your best days are ahead of you. See, I really believe that from my heart. Like, I don't believe that somehow as we age and we get into our 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s that God wants to use us less. I actually believe that all the prayers that we've been praying, like personally, I pray God for boldness. I pray, I pray for God's protection and blessing and favor on my life. I pray for all my, my marriage. I pray for all on my children. Like regularly, daily, I'm grabbing my wife and I'm praying those prayers over my family. Like I don't believe they end when I lo- leave the house. I don't believe they end when we go to bed at night. I believe that those prayers of protection, favor and blessing continue till I breathe my last breath. You see, when you live with that mindset that there's this bank There's this reserve of prayers that you've been praying and it's kind of gone this way. Listen, as long as you're alive and as you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, your prayers should not retire you, they should refire you. But somewhere along the line, we believe that somehow my best days were behind me. No, they're not. The Holy Spirit is alive and well in your life. And you have a storehouse, a wealth of prayers for 50, 60 years that some people don't have. It should be making a difference in your life. So why did they respond like, you're out of your mind, Rhoda. That can't be Peter. I've always been perplexed by this, like, Lord, they didn't have faith when they prayed. So why did you answer their prayer, God? Like, like, why would you answer a prayer of a group of people when Pete came knocking at the door, they said, that can't be him, it must be his angel. Like, why did you answer that prayer, God? They didn't have faith. So I've always been perplexed by this, but I, I know why now. Because I believe when they were praying, they were praying fervently, Lord, keep him safe, God. Give him a good night's rest. Let him have peace in the midst of the storm. God protect him. God cover him. And so they were stretching their muscles for peace. And you know what? He did sleep well that night. They were protecting for favor and protection. And you know what? They did bring protection. But I believe this, that God can do more than we ask or imagine. I don't believe they ever asked for his release. I believe they were asking for protection and peace. And so God answered that, but he can do more than we ask or imagine. And so that was the more. That's why they were surprised. Like they were astonished. Why? Not because they didn't have faith, because they couldn't imagine that release was on the agenda, but our God can do more than we can imagine. So here's what I think. Like, okay, okay, God, okay. I'm going to start asking some stupid, crazy prayers then. Like, we'll see who's got an imagination. Because if you can do more than I'm imagining, let's just see. So when you go to God, how are you asking? How are you praying? Are you praying with your finite mind of what you've already observed, what you've already seen? Or are you praying for things that you've never seen before? And God can do more than the unseen stuff. Oh, come on, church. Come on. You know what that means? You see, I still believe this with all my heart. That while everything else morphs and changes and dies and fails and frustrates and moves and leaves and disappoints and shifts and gives up and falls short and flees, Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Here's what I believe. The same God that did this for Peter because the church was praying, listen, can do it for us too. And not only can do it, he wants to do it. So look how this ends. Like It's, it's, it's like, remember what his intention was? Intention was for Peter's head to be lopped off. Well, this church began to pray, and there were some traps that were set. Look at verse 21. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a God, not of a man. They were exalting him, lifting up like, oh, we bow down to Herod. We bow down to Herod. He is invincible. Look at verse 23. What's the next word? Immediately. Because Herod did not give praise to who? God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. Now you talk about reversal of intentions. Seriously, like, can you picture a man? He was like, they were just praising him. He's God. He's like, yeah, and they're fanning him. <laughs> Look at me, and then these worms. <laughs> and this happened. Why? Because someone believed that prayer is more than the least they could do. You see, it should be the first thing that we do. So I'm going to give you a chance today. Like, stupid, crazy prayers. Like, get out of your boxes. Like, quit it, okay? For once, just just quit it. Let's make 2015 the year we get out of our boxes when we talk to God. Let's just let's get out of them. Like, your little finite mind that's been praying, oh, Lord, please give me a, please, God, please, God, please, God, give me that right there. Lord, please, God, if you could do that. And I am think, if he could do that? Like, seriously, think about what he can do when you pray. So I'm going to encourage you. We're going to close out our services, and I'm going to give you a chance to pray to an omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient God who can do far more than you ask or imagine. It's time we start praying to God like we fully believe and are aware that he is able to do more than we ask or imagine. So, I don't know what your posture is. Maybe it's on your knees. Maybe it's sitting where you're at. Maybe it's you're just laying prostrate on the floor, but you know what your situation is. So as the music plays, I'm just gonna ask you, just go battle, like, Come on, come on, go 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 battling with God. Invite Him into your quest. Intercede, ask Him to intercede on behalf of you. Just just pray those prayers out. Like, don't hold back. Pray outside of your box. Just just pray. Okay, that thing that you just asked for, go bigger, go bigger, go bigger. Like, imagine something that you you haven't ever imagined. Like, don't box him in. Go bigger, go bigger, go bigger, go bigger. Stupid, crazy, go, go. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you, Grace Community Church, may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. All the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or just imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. God bless you. See you next week.